podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Oh, that's a cheer we used to do in softball. Uh, what? It's, uh, actually Geico. Whenever someone hit a triple, we would wave our bats and yell, 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. But we never got to use it because we would only hit home runs. Annoying. The phrase is from Geico because they help save people money? Geico? Yeah, they were our team sponsor. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Oh, that's a cheer we used to do in softball. Uh, what? It's, uh, actually Geico. Whenever someone hit a triple, we would wave our bats and yell, 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. But we never got to use it because we would only hit home runs. Annoying. The phrase is from Geico because they help save people money. Geico? Yeah, they were our team sponsor. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the Cop Table podcast, where tonight we are previewing the Liverpool versus Leicester game this coming Saturday, 3 p.m., kickoff at Anfield. Joining me once again for the Reds, we have Jay Riley. You can catch Jay tomorrow, actually, on the Radio City Fan Friday talk show in Liverpool. Um, and now a regular on the cop table. So, how are you feeling, Jay? Yeah, just about recovered, Peter, you know, from that uh, crazy game last night against Salzburg. And, you know, a little bit of a shock to the system, conceding three goals. But, you know, we got the job done in the end, so... It's all systems going out for this game against Leicester on Saturday. Yeah, and we uh, we will just touch on the subject of the uh, Champions League game last night uh, when we get into the, the podcast shortly. Also joining me tonight, once again, we have Pete Selby from the For Fox Sake podcast. I've got to say that one very uh, carefully because of the obvious name. So, Pete, thanks again for joining us. How are you, pal? I'm all right. I've just about recovered from, uh, again, the Champions League game at Anfield last night. It was a great watch. It was, yeah. It must have been a, a great game for the neutral um, to watch, but not so good for the Liverpool fans after the um, after the start we have. So we're going to get um, straight uh, into that, that game last night against Salzburg. Jay come away with a, a 4-3 victory. Liverpool went... Uh, uh, three up in the game was cruising, playing playing some of the best football that I've that I've seen in a long time, uh, especially um, at Anfield and, and under Jurgen Klopp. Some some fantastic football, and then um, did what seemed to happen? Did, was there a lack of concentration? Was, was Liverpool too complacent? Was it the fact that Jurgen Klopp mentioned that Salzburg sort of changed their formation and played a different style and? Um, got themselves back into the game and it took a late winner, didn't it, from, from Mo Salah to, to take the three points. But like, we, like Pete just said, they're absolutely crazy game. So just just give us your thoughts on um, on what happened in, in the game, please, Jay. Yeah, well, I mean, going into the game, I expected there to be plenty of goals because Salzburg had scored, I think it was 55 goals in 14 games or something before our game last night. And, you know, you, you were expecting them to be good going forward but I didn't think they'd be very good defensively so I did expect goals galore and you know the start of the game Liverpool were totally in control I mean as you quite rightly said before it was arguably one of the best we've performed this season certainly the first half an hour 40 minutes and you were just thinking when we were 3-0 up this could be 5, 6, 7 whatever you name it 
Um, there was always that little thought, though, that Salzburg could maybe nick one on the break. And so it proved just before half-time when it was a fantastic goal. I think he's South Korean, lads, is he? Uh, Huang. Uh, he left the age of Van Dijk for dead, didn't he, really? And you see in a half-time, everyone was all, all the fans of other clubs were made up because Van Dijk had been torn. And it's quite embarrassing, really, because everyone knows what a fantastic defender he is. But people are celebrating now when, when the team scores a goal against us, when it's Van Dijk's fault. But the fact of the matter was, Liverpool were 3-1 up at half-time. Um, but it was a little bit of a shock to the system, and he did look quite dangerous. Um, I thought in the first half as well, even though Liverpool did perform very well, I thought Joe Gomez looked really rusty at centre-half. We really missed Joel Matip's presence at the back alongside Van Dijk and sort of like unsettled the back line, really, for me. In the second half, he did improve a little bit, but then, obviously, at the start of the second half, their manager, he changed the system a little bit and they seemed to like have an extra man in midfield. They were overrunners in midfield. I thought Henderson and Wijnaldum really struggled on the night and Fabinho made a couple of mistakes, but he was the only man really in the midfield trying to, trying to hold it together really. And it was like a knife through butter at times and he put us under massive pressure at the start of the second half and then it went 3-2 and then it went 3-3. Alfinger Harlan's lad come on, didn't he? And got the equaliser and You'd have to say, I mean, when after the first half an hour, you, Liverpool were in cruise control. But then you'd have to say, when it went 3-3, you, the fear in your mind was, what's going on here? I mean, are they going to get a fourth? It, it was it was worrying, and it was worrying right until the end of the game. I mean, obviously we settled down a little bit, and we ended up scoring a fourth goal. Fantastic touch by Firmino, and, and a great finish by Salah. But every time Salzburg come forward... They looked like they were going to score, and I, and I was saying we, we need a fifth goal here just to be to be on the safe side. And I'm just wondering now if other teams you know, in the Premier League will look at that as a little bit of a blueprint to sort of like try and have a little go at Liverpool. The only thing I will say is though, I mean, they did have a goal, us and Liverpool ended up winning a game, still scoring four goals. So if teams do want to come to Anfield and they do want to go toe to toe with us. Then a lot of the time we still will come come out on top because we have got goals galore in our in our team as well. I've made the likes of Salah and Mane and Firmino. Um but like I say, it was a little bit of a concern and it just you know, you can't be people are saying we were looked a little bit tired at times. I don't think we looked tired. I mean I think a little bit of complacency was in there, but I just thought Salzburg caught us cold and we just didn't really know how to react. I mean, you know, Klopp is a master tactician as we know, but a lot of the time, it's the players on the pitch that have to sort themselves out. Liverpool have got plenty of leaders in the team. You know, we all know Jordan Henderson's the captain and many people think it shouldn't be him. It should be, um, Virgil van Dijk. So straight away, the both of them were on the pitch at the time and we were conceding these three goals. Fabinho's a little bit of a leader as well, isn't he? Um, you know, Andy Robertson's captain of Scotland. So there's no excuses really for Liverpool to sort of like collapse as we did because that's exactly what it was, you know, to concede three goals to anyone's disappointing, but someone like Salzburg, that, yeah, and we all know they score plenty of goals, but, you know, they're not exactly a big name in European football. I suppose you might say they had nothing to lose, they were fearless, they come to Anfield with a great attitude and a great approach, but, like I say, the first half an hour we were great, should have been totally out of sight, and it looked like it was going to be a cricket score, and then got a little bit of a shot to the system, but, at the end of the day, Liverpool got the three points and we move on and that's all that truly matters. But you know, it was a little bit of a shock, wasn't it, Peter? 
Most definitely, Jay. Yeah, like like you just touched on then about being three 0 up, and I don't think anybody expected Salzburg to come back into the game the way they did. But all credit to them; they they played a very good game and and pushed. And I expect um, a very difficult game when we when we go to their place um, in in the next few months or whenever it is we uh, we face them again. So uh, moving over to you, Pete, and we're going to talk a little bit about the Leicester side. Um, past couple of fixtures had a, a very good win, two one victory at home against uh, Spurs, and then uh, a fantastic five 0 victory against uh, Newcastle with, with I think Jamie Vardy got a hat trick in that game didn't he so um, just give us your your thoughts um on the the recent form of um, of Leicester and and how Brendan Rodgers has changed things around since um, since he took over from from Claude Puel they've been in great form sitting pretty in the league you know just behind uh, the the front two although those two will always be at, at, at the top and I don't think anyone's going to get near them but um, it's it's all going very well at Leicester. They're playing very well. They're scoring goals. Yes, they were involved in a an incident riddle game against Tottenham with VAR and all sorts of bits and bobs going off in the game. But at the end of the day, the what the uh, overall result is is a two one victory for Leicester against a side that they'll be along with a few others challenging for top six and possibly the top four. They're playing well. The changes that Rodgers has made. They've been quite subtle in, in, in certain places because the actual formation that they're playing is not a lot uh, different to what they were playing under Club Huel, but it's the installation of belief. It's the installation of the fact that players who have been at a club that have finished in the top 10 for the last few years are actually better than they are. And these some of these players have now played for maybe a full season or two, and they need that extra belief given to them sometimes by a move to other clubs to say, look, you are this player who can be a top six, top four player. Or it can be through a manager who just puts his arm around them and gives them that bit of belief, that man management, which we know Rogers has got, uh, that can turn players from a top ten player to a top six, top four. And that's what's happened. He's also added a bit of pressing in terms of the forward three behind Vardy. He's been very active in, in that. But also what he's done is... In terms of one or two signings and transfer dealings, he's managed the situation at Leicester very well. We've sold one player every single year since we won the league. Kante's gone. Uh, Danny Drinkwater's went. Riyad Mahrez went. Harry Maguire went. And to lose a player like Harry Maguire was always going to be difficult to fill in. We've had the replacement um, in Kagalos Orinchu, who has outperformed most people's expectations. He was bought for eighteen million pounds, uh, not in the summer, but in the summer before, and hardly got a look in. Really, uh, couldn't speak a word, but highly rated. And he's come in and performed very, very well alongside Johnny Evans. A perfect partnership, really. You've got your not rash, but the person who goes for the ball in Soyuncu, who then maybe goes forward and gets the foot in and breaks up movement when Johnny Evans can just sit back and go, "I'll just wait and be the level head." Uh, of the back two. So it's working really well, but also players have improved. I was, and maybe not anymore, but I was quite a big critic of Madison last year. I thought a lot of the praise that was given to him was probably over the top, given by the national media. Um, He's a a person who's going to get a lot of attention by the way he looks and, and, you know, a bit of a flash Harry and that. Nice, nice kid and everything, really down to earth, but it's just that persona. And 
I, I thought he had a decent first season, but I thought it was blown out of all proportion in terms of being an England player, etc. He was lacking in a number of of areas, and all those areas that he was lacking for me it was pace, uh, retention of the ball, and also accuracy in terms of general passing and also uh, shooting as well. His dead ball play was good. He's got that technique. People have liked it to Beckham. Uh, only in technique for me. He's got uh, how Beckham used to take a free kick or, or whip a ball in. He had that certain way of crossing his, his feet at the end, and, and that's what uh, Madison has. Uh, but a lot of the time, it was, for me, disappointing and very erratic. He's a young player. But this season, he has improved no end. He's kicked on like Cheerwell did a couple of seasons ago, and how hopefully Harvey Barnes will, and I think is doing, and that he's become faster, an awful lot faster. He's still not quick, but he's now very quick-footed. And against Tottenham, he was he was beating players in the in the penalty area with his quick feet, going past three or four, and then making the right pass. And he was wanting the ball all the time. Like if you're playing with a number ten, that number ten needs to be on the ball all the time. And it, and if he's going to be the player that we hope he, he will be for the national team as well, then he needs to be able to get involved in all aspects of the game and never really lose the ball. You want the ball to stick with him. And he, that's what's been happening. He's then scored the goal. He's playing very, very well. And I'd say all the praise that's now being given to him by, by the national press and by fans wider than, say, out of Leicestershire, I think is actually valid now. I think he's actually living up to the hype. And hopefully he plays on Saturday. So alongside your established players, Wilfred indeed had a, had a very good season. Jamie Vardy, sharp as attack. He's scoring goals for fun he's as good as he's ever been in fact I'd say he is better now than he's ever been and he's possibly still improving even at his age I I think everyone is playing to a very high level and there's still plenty of improvement to come the place is buzzing the club's in a really good position not just in the Premier League but off the field as well seems a very happy settled bunch and this week they've prepared for one of the most difficult games you wouldn't say in the Premier League, but you'll probably say in, in European football by travelling to Anfield. You'd expect them to be sitting in front of TVs, watching at Liverpool how they play. We're going to do this, we're going to do that on the training field. Well, today they've prepared by having a crazy golf tournament between the players and the staff at a local brand new crazy golf course. So it just shows you that off the field, everything's really right. You, you don't do that sort of thing before a huge game unless the manager and the staff have the confidence in the team that they can actually do something like that um, before a huge game. I, th- I think that's, a, a, in a weird way, it's a real positive. It just shows you how relaxed and happy the team is and the squad is and the staff are with them, and the fans as well. Great stuff, yeah. And as we know ourselves, to have, uh, to have that team bond and that team spirit, um is is vitally important, isn't it? It's, it shows like a unity in the squad, and there's, there's no cracks in there, isn't it? And everyone's pushing in the same direction, which is which is vitally important, which is, is what we've got at Liverpool as well. With under Jurgen Klopp, everyone's everyone's pushing in the right direction. So yeah, it's uh, it's all set up to be a very interesting battle on um, on Saturday. But I've just picked out three. Um, key battles for, for the game I've picked out the first one I'm going to give it to you Jay and it's um, Virgil van Dijk versus Jamie Vardy obviously very um, very much in form is, is Vardy isn't he after his uh, performance last week and, and van Dijk he's 
I wouldn't say he's he's out of form, but he he hasn't hasn't hit the heights of, of his performance that he did last season. Probably was a little bit unsettled last night by the by the presence of Gomez next to him, where he's been used to having Joel Matip. So, um, uh, potential battle on the pitch. How do you see this one going between Van Dijk and Vardy, please, Jay? Yeah, I mean, it's going to be an interesting battle because Jamie Vardy, we all know, very good centre-forward and he's quite quick, isn't he? And Van Dijk's quick, we all know that. But, you know, Vardy will give him, a, you know, a, a going over, if you like. And I look back to when um, Van Dijk was a Southampton player and I remember it was around about the time when there was all the talk about Van Dijk getting a big move away and... He got injured, he was out for a couple of months and it was a challenge with Jamie Vardy and sometimes you think, don't you, like when a little incident like that occurs, maybe it sticks in the centre-half's mind a little bit because he's, he's, I don't think there was any malicious in it, it was like a bad challenge or anything, it was just a bit innocuous but got an injury from it and you just wonder sometimes little things like that can stick in someone's mind, can't they? And you know, he could have a little bit of an Indian sign over him, you never know, but, you know, it's going to be an incessant battle. We all know Van Dijk's fantastic on his day, but as you quite rightly say, there's been times this season where he hasn't been his formidable self. Um, I don't think he was great in the second half last night in Salzburg either. And, you know, people can say that he's allowed a couple of, you know, dodgy games, shall we say, but it's just not really what we've been used to with him. He's normally like a Rolls Royce, isn't he? We all know he's the best centre half in world football currently, and you know hopefully he can get back to them heights, you know, on Saturday afternoon against Jamie Vardy. Because let's make no mistake, he's a very dangerous centre forward, and he has a good record against Liverpool. He scored quite a lot of goals against us, hasn't he, over the years? So he'll certainly be a threat, and they'll be trying to cause us a few problems with that area. But you know, you'd like to think that Van Dijk will be able to deal with him. Excellent. Cheers, Jay. Okay, the next one I picked out, I'm going to give it to you, Peter, is, um, is the battle on the, it's going to be the Liverpool's right-hand side and, and Leicester's left-hand side. So, Mohamed Salah coming up against uh, Ben Chilwell. Obviously, um, the Egyptian, he scored two last night, didn't he? Um, including the winner. So, he's going to be up against Chilwell, who's, who's a strong full-back, has, has previously also been linked with Liverpool. So, um Salah may have to, to do a little bit more tracking back than usual if Chilwell decides to come forward, which doesn't need to look seeing as how Trent also likes to push forward. So um this could be one of the key battles in the game. So how do you see it going, please, Pete? Uh, it could be, but t- to be honest, I would classify this as being a clash between both Chilwell and then whoever would be the defensive midfielder on that side if they play someone like Chowdhury who would then run back and help out the fullbacks more than say an Ndidi who would kind of hold oh, so all his yeah. position. They might well double team up on that side right. and then Chowdhury would get the other side as well. But for me, it sure has been very interesting this year because it depends for his game on how uh, on who is standing in front of him on that side. If Harvey Barnes is playing on that side, then he can actually turn into an old-fashioned fullback where he doesn't actually venture over the halfway line when you associate Ben Chilwell as being an attacking fullback. I think he's there's no real surprise uh, that Ben Chilwell has progressed the way he is. He's a, he is a very good player. I think he plays better for England than he does for Leicester. Um, and also, if we're going to continue by studying one player every year, if Chilwell goes um, in a strange way, I don't think it'll make an awful lot of difference to Leicester team. But in this game against 
Liverpool, I can't see Chilwell getting forward. I can see them playing Barnes further forward ahead of him and Chilwell sitting back and using his pace to help out the defence. Now, when you had someone like Maguire alongside him, he needs to be that player who could then cover because Johnny Evans won't. Soyuncu is very quick, so I don't think that's going to be a problem. But I can see Chilwell being that player to sit in alongside the central defenders and use his pace in case they get caught out and the ball's been played through the defence or over the defence for the likes of Salah. I don't think you can sit on Salah. I don't think you can put a man on him. I think he's too quick. He's too agile. And even when he faces up in the penalty area, I remember being at Anfield a couple of years back and the game just after the new year. And just watching Salah in the penalty area, so fast, unbelievably fast. I, and that's not running at pace. That's moving from a standing position, ball at his feet in the penalty area, a couple of defenders in front of him. And if I'm thinking of a Leicester player who would be that covering player who I'd want, it would be Chilwell. So I can see Chilwell sitting back and just keeping an eye on the through balls and then also being that person to stand up to Salah. And just fingers crossed he gets near him because if not, he's one of the best players in the world. And if he's got his shooting boots on, then he could easily, of course he could easily score. But um, yeah, it's it's an interesting decision on on what on Rod, what how Rogers will play this. I can just see him sitting back and if they play Chowdhury as well, I can see him as well being that player to get the foot in and Chilwell almost just being the person who can jockey a player out of position. I can see him doing that rather than getting a foot in. Okay. Brilliant. Cheers, Pete. Okay, and the, the third battle that I've picked out that's uh, that could be taking place at Anfield on Saturday is one um between Roberto Firmino and Wilfred Dinidi, who's going to be the, the deep-playing, um, deep-line midfielder, as you say, for, for Leicester City. So I'll get your both thoughts on this one. But first of all, Jay, um, can I, uh, Firmino, do you see, um, do you see him playing a little bit deeper in this, in this game? I know Klopp changed it last night, didn't he? And he played in that, that role up behind Mo Salah. Just see him going back to the to the four three three with, with um, Firmino pushing a little bit further up. So just give us your thoughts on where you think Firmino is going to be playing at and this uh, potential battle between him and uh, Wilfred uh, Ndidi. Please, Jay. Well, I think we'll go. We'll be four three three. So Firmino will be up top only. So he'll be more more likely to be against. Um, Johnny Evans and I can't pronounce the Turkish lad's name but I believe he's had a good start to the season he'll be up against them mostly won't he um, but the thing is with Firmino as we well know he likes to drop off a lot doesn't he and he pulls out wide and you know, we could go into that role where Ndidi may well be um, at times. And I do think Wilfred Ndidi is a very, very good player. I know Liverpool watched him uh, 12 months or so ago before we got Fabinho. He was on our radar. Obviously, Liverpool never ended up making the move for him, but we got Fabinho and then the rest history. But he is a very good footballer, Ndidi. And he scored the last goal, didn't he, at the weekend against Newcastle in the 5-0 victory. And... You know, I think he's, he's more of a, he, he, he does love the, the combativeness in midfield, shall we say. And if Firmino does drop off, then he, he could come into his territory. But like I say, we all know how good Bobby Firmino is. The only criticism I'll have of Firmino is I don't think he scores quite enough goals really for the number nine position, but he's quite unique in what he does and what he offers to the Liverpool team. 
I mean, I think I was talking about it today, actually. Uh, I think we scored 14 goals in four games in Anfield this season. And Firmino hasn't scored one of them, which is quite remarkable, really, isn't it, for someone who's playing as your number nine? It's a, it's away from home where he's, he's scored the important goals for us away to uh, Southampton, Burnley and Chelsea, of course. So, you know, he is worth his weight in gold. There's no doubt about that. But at home, he needs to chip in a little bit more with goals. But everything else he brings to the team is absolutely superb, as we've seen last night in Salzburg. A couple of very good assists. Um, in terms of the matchup, though, on Saturday, I'm not too sure that they'll get involved with each other that much, though, because, like I say, I do think Firmino will play more up top than dropping deep the way he did last night. OK, thanks, Jay. And uh, and yourself, Pete, give us your thoughts on um, on Wilfred Ndidi and and what his likely role is going to be. Is he likely to be dropping that little bit more to to try and nullify the threat of Firmino? Or do you see him just consolidating that midfield area and and dealing with the Liverpool midfield? How do you see um, Ndidi's role on on Saturday, please, Pete? Yeah, I, th- I think it's interesting. I think I think they'll be close, obviously, on the field of play. But I can see Ndidi not really being that player to drop as deep because of the way that Soyuncu has been stepping out of the defence, I can see him being the person. If the ball's played to Firmino, I can see um, Soyuncu being the, the first player to then get a tackle in and to close down uh, the Liverpool number nine. And then you'd have the likes of Chowdhury and Ndidi then maybe even dropping back further behind Soyuncu, even though he's a central defender. He's that person who steps out he got caught out for the Tottenham goal, but also he's intercepted on a number of occasions and then started a move which has set up Leicester's uh, goals this season. How many goals have come from a Soyuncu tackle or pass or interception so far? It must be about half the goal so far. It's a ridiculous stat. Um, so, but with Ndidi, Ndidi's a very, very interesting player. He's been at Leicester for a long time, only 22, but... He's getting better and better. And in terms of defensive midfielders, because going forward, it's not very pretty. Yes, he scored a couple of goals, but uh, you know, if, he, if he shoots from 25, 30 yards, look out in Rosen. But in terms of his development of football, he's playing very, very well. And he's developing all the time. He's turning into a top-class player. And I wouldn't be surprised if it's not just... Liverpool, Man City, but top clubs throughout Europe because a defensive midfielder is a, is a strange niche position and at the moment he is right up there in my opinion. He's a, he's a quality player. Um, I, that's, that's how I think they'll match up with the likes of Soyuncu again being that player to tackle uh, Liverpool centre forward and then the other two, well, what do you do? They'll, they'll probably play slightly wider and then you just deal with them as you would. But uh, yeah, I, I just look out for, for Ndidi. Again, he's a player who's been at Leicester for a few years now. Everyone's used to him in the Premier League and sometimes you can just bypass that player and go, oh yeah, it's Wilf, he's, he's doing his thing or Ndidi at Leicester, you know him. Oh yes, he's, he's, he's a good player, isn't he? Yeah, he's good. Actually, to be honest, if you were looking at one or two players who could move on way beyond uh, what Leicester could do, indeed he would be right at the top of that list for me. He, he is developing into a top-class player. OK, brilliant. Cheers, Pete. Yeah, just to keep the, the people in the chat room involved, there's a few... Um, few mentions in there from from Mick saying um, Salah uh, coming off central to the wings could possibly be making all the difference on Saturday. Barry Carr saying um, 
he thought Liverpool click last night. Rel- relatively poor game from. Uh, sorry, I don't seem to uh, pick up on that one too much. Uh, Virgil looked shaky last night. I'm sure it was a, a bit of a blip from him. Says Barry, um, and Mick says this is the Leicester team that lost to a poor Manchester. United side. So yeah, keep your comments coming into into the chat room. We'll try and get through them as as much as possible before we uh, end the show. But um, yeah, we've been um, doing the score predictions each week. But just before we do that, just a, a little bit about the um, about the squad rotation from Liverpool, Jay, um, and we'll get your thoughts on your side as well, please. Um, in a sec, Pete. So how do you see? Do you see if he's fit? Do you see? Joel Matip coming back into the side, and do you see any changes to them to that midfield three? Considering they've uh, um, they've both they've all, all played near the full games in the in the last uh, couple of fixtures, Jay. Yeah, I'd like to see Matip back in there because he's probably been our best centre half this season. To tell you the truth, he's been outstanding. When you look at the stats, he's he's been marginally better than Van Dijk, which is it was surprising to me. When I, when I seen them last week, but, you know, who are we to argue with stats? And, and to be fair to the lad, what's he done wrong? He hasn't put a foot wrong. He's been sensational, really. And I, I've never been a massive fan of Matip, really. I thought, you know, back in the last season, he, he was outstanding and he's just carried his form over into this season. And you know, he's hard to dislike now, isn't he? Because he's made himself, you know, a, a regular on the team, you know, one of the first names on the team sheet, really. And, as we've seen, I mentioned before about Joe Gomez, he really struggled, didn't he, in the first half in particular against Salzburg, which is a little bit disappointing. But you know, you can't really get on the lad's case because he's been out injured for a while, and you know, he showed signs of rustiness really. And when he did play at the start of the season, he was being played the fullback, wasn't he, in in the, the Super Cup anyway against Chelsea, played right back and then switched to left back when Robertson went off. So you know, it's going to take time with Joe Gomez because. You know, we, he did strike up a very good partnership with, with Van Dyke at the start of last season, but then he got the injury in December time and Joel Matip got his, his opportunity and grabbed it with both hands really and certainly not looked back. So if he's fit and available to come back into the side, then you would imagine that he will get the nods. Um, other than that, you know, we do talk about it all the time. The front three, it, it's obviously going to be the same front three, barring any injuries now in between now and then in, in, in training. Um, but the midfield area is an issue because it was a, certainly an issue in midweek against Salzburg. And I don't know. I mean, Fabinho for me is an absolute monster. He, he, he's the best defensive midfield player. In Europe right now, he, he's truly outstanding. He's, he's, a, he's a man mountain, really. So he has to start for me. There's, there's no two ways about it. He's got to start the game. Um, the rest of them are all much of a muchness, aren't they? With the likes of Wijnaldum and Milner and Henderson. And obviously Henderson's captain, but it just, just because he's captain doesn't necessarily mean he has to start week in, week out. And I've seen it in the past. Jürgen Klopp's not afraid to leave him out of game, so it's an intriguing one. But it's very difficult to really sort of pick a, a trio that you'll, you think will start. I mean, Klopp had been big enough, Naby Keita, hadn't he? He's just come back from injury. I thought he might have started the game against Salzburg, but he never. He only come on right at the end. Um, other than that, Oxlade-Chamberlain's been in and out, hasn't he? And, 
you know, we've, we've had discussions, you know, off podcasts talking about Oxley Chamberlain where he just doesn't quite seem the same player after his injury and it's going to be really difficult for him to get back to the levels that he was shown before the horrific injury he got against Roma in the Champions League and it's probably going to take him, you know, the rest of this season to get up and running and he's, he's probably always going to break down with little niggles here and there. That's the frustrating aspect of it, but... Oxley Chamberlain can be brilliant on his day, but I just don't know whether he's got what he did have. It's it's harsh on him, but I'm just not sure whether Klopp would trust him to start in a game of this magnitude because let's you know, get real about this. It's this is a massive game. Leicester have had a fantastic start of the season. Um personally, I, I genuinely think that they've got a really good chance of getting in the top four because the clubs around them, the likes of Manchester United and Arsenal and Chelsea, they've all got issues amongst their squad. And, you know, I'm not saying Leicester have got better squads than them teams, but they've certainly got a good manager, as we know, in Brendan Rodgers. He knows the time of day and they've got some very good footballers there. And everyone says about Harry Maguire, they've lost Harry Maguire, £80 million and blah, blah. But, you know, when you think about it, I'd certainly back at this stage Leicester to finish above Manchester United this season. Let's see what happens in the January transfer market. Like, but I do think it'll be a tough game, and and I certainly think that Klopp's got a few issues in the midfield area on on, on his team selection because it's not straightforward. I mean, you know, other than that, would you bring Milner into the team? I'm not so sure. I mean, I have to say Henderson and Wijnaldum really poured the other night against Salzburg, so it's a dilemma for Klopp, and it's going to be an interesting team selection. Spot on, cheers, Jay. Yeah, and just give us your thoughts on the what's going to be the lineup for Leicester City, please, um, Pete. It all really revolves around James Madison. If, if he's fit and he starts, then the team kind of picks itself from where he plays and then backwards. But if he doesn't play, it's uh, it almost gives. Uh, Rogers a, a chance to experiment because in the previous game Dennis Pratt played in midfield alongside Wilfred and Didi that was uh, his first start in the Premier League a, a very good player a very good debut uh, just a solid general solid midfielder who can get forward um, and and he had a good debut but uh, and then Tillemans plays a bit further forward in what it would be say a 10 role but if Madison plays then does he drop Tillemans back in midfield alongside Ndidi, which would be the general Leicester City lineup? That is what he didn't do at Old Trafford, and that 1-0 defeat looks more and more um, disappointing now because it was a disappointing display. Uh, he went a bit too defensive, Rogers, and maybe he's thinking now, actually, why don't we take the game to Liverpool after what's happened recently with Liverpool and teams scoring against them? Why not? Um, I think Madison, at the moment, I don't think he'll play. So I think it will pick itself. And I think Chowder will come into the side alongside uh, Wilfred and Dee, two very solid then midfielders. And then uh, they'll look to counter-attack. Leicester have been well-known as a counter-attacking side, one of the best counter-attacking sides, you'd say, in the, in the Premier League, since the Premier League's been formed over the last five years or so. You don't you know, do what they did a few years ago and also finish... Uh, in the top ten, by not having that in in their in their armoury, they've still got it with the likes of Jamie Vardy up top. But also the players they've brought in, or the turnover of players over the last number of years, they've still kept that counter-attacking um, style. With on the left-hand side, Harvey Barnes, a very raw but exciting young English player, 
who hopefully can just develop a bit of composure in the final third. That's what he's lacking. He's got everything else in his game. And uh, if he plays, then that, for me, would be the signal for Liverpool fans to know how Leicester will play. If Barnes plays, they will counter-attack. They'll look to sit and they'll go forward. If Barnes doesn't play and they play someone like uh, a Mark Albrighton in that position... That means they'll be probably a little bit more traditional in a sense of taking the game to Liverpool at, at point. I don't think they'll go Harry Carey and go crazy forward, but uh, that for me is is the the key. If they play Barnes, they'll counter attack because he's very quick, direct, and he can also play almost alongside Vardy in that forward position. And then the, the player the other side, uh, it could be Ozzy uh, Perez will possibly go more central and drop slightly deeper uh, and help out, say, a Tillemans. That's roughly how it could work out. Um, the rest of the team kind of picks itself, Schmeichel, and then you'll have your Chilwell, Soyuncu with Evans, and Ricardo Pereira, who's exceptional at fullback. He, he was brilliant for the second and third third of the season last year. It took him, a, you know, a third of the season at the start to get used to English football. Since then, he's kicked on and he's playing very well now. The problem is you go to somewhere like Anfield and your attacking fullbacks don't really kind of come into the game because you, you can't bomb forward in that style. You have to sit back. So does that limit Pereira? Yes, it does. Does it mean enough to concentrate on his defensive work, which is not as good as attacking work? In, yeah, so it's, a, it's an interesting dilemma that Rodgers has to um, to look at. But also, you're playing against the European champions. You're playing at Anfield. It's going to be a difficult game. Do you go and attack or do you sit back, try and keep it quiet for 20 minutes and then keep it at nil-nil? It's just, I think it's it's pretty much impossible in terms of trying to decide on how the game's going to go. You can have a plan, but that plan at Liverpool can just completely fall apart. At home to Liverpool, we've seen Leicester have great success with Vardy scoring all the games that we know we could reel off, but... I just think at Anfield, unless you're Manchester City, pretty much in Europe, you can go there and you're just going to have to see how it goes. And the one thing that we do have, which was mentioned just a minute ago, is that we have a manager who knows the time of day. So at least he can react to any situation. The team is very, very flexible. And I just think they go there with a plan of trying to take their chances when when they can. Get forward when they can. Don't be afraid to shoot from distance. I don't mind your goalkeeper, the the, the goalkeeper and goal now, Adrian. I think I think he's I think he's a decent uh, reserve goalkeeper, more than decent. But if it was me, and I think what would happen is that they would be saying, "Look, don't be afraid to shoot from distance. You've got one of the best forwards in the league in following up a shot in Jamie Vardy. Don't be afraid to shoot when you get the chance. Try and take it." wherever you are on the field. Jamie Vardy's got a tremendous goal-scoring record, tremendous um, conversion rate this season and at the end of last season since Rodgers has been there. In terms of him taking his chances, it's right up there alongside uh, Harry Kane, you'd say, in terms of the amount of shots he has on goal. Sometimes he will have hardly any touches of the ball, Jamie Vardy, but he'll come away from the game with a goal and, and be a massive influence and it turns out he's only touched the ball 40 or 30 times in the entire match. But it's just the way that Vardy is. Um, so it's very awkward from a position of trying to predict. But that's how I've, I feel if Barnes plays once again, we're going to counter-attack. If he doesn't, I think they're going to play a more regular 
style. But again, the team's very fluid. It can change an awful lot. And again, we've got a good manager on the touchline, as you all know, who can react to an in-game situation, whatever happens. Look at the game against Tottenham that Leicester played on TV a few weeks ago. All sorts happened in that game. Players were being substituted. Formations were being changed left, right and centre by both sides. Injuries were happening. The likes of Madison and a few other players were going down. And the manager, in my opinion, Rogers reacted quicker um, than Pochettino in that game. On every occasion, Pochettino reacted to Rogers. It was too late. We took advantage, scored the goals when we did. And that was the key difference. So hopefully it's a key difference again. OK, brilliant. OK, boys, um, I know Gav's got his podcast coming up at 10 o'clock, so we're going to have to be quick with our with our predictions because I've also got some um, some music back on by um, by a Liverpool band this week. So just before we uh, get into that music, quick uh, score prediction from you first, please, Jay. Yeah, I'm expecting goals. Um, you know, as I said before, Leicester, no mugs, certainly a tough assignment for Liverpool on Saturday afternoon. Well, another opportunity for Liverpool to go eight points clear before Manchester City play on the Sunday against Wolves. Um, and, and I expect Liverpool to get the job done and get the three points. I really do. I think sometimes when you have a little bit of a shock to the system and a little bit of a setback, as we did against Salzburg, albeit we won the game, but it could be a little bit of a wake-up call for our defending and for our defence. And I think Liverpool will be a lot more solid at the back against Leicester on Saturday. However, I do think they probably will score, though, because they've got certain players in the team that can cause Liverpool problems, as we've already touched on with Jamie Vardy. You know, he could very well have a little bit of an Indian sign over Van Dijk. And if James Madison's fit to the team, which it appears that he will be, we all know the qualities that he possesses, certainly from set pieces as well. Um, I like the full-back Ricardo. I think he's a good player as well. Probably the second-best right-back in the country behind our very own Trent Alexander-Arnold. Um, but I do think Leicester will score. But I do think Liverpool will have a little bit too much for them in terms of... I know they've defended quite well this season so far, but just think Liverpool will have the edge on them and have a bit too much. And I think maybe, like, factored in last season, Liverpool be smarting a little bit from dropping points last season in the January time. To, uh, to Leicester and I just think this time it'll be a different scenario and I'll go for a 3-1 Liverpool win 3-1 for Liverpool Jay's prediction OK Pete give us your uh, quick thoughts on a score prediction please I think there's going to be a winner in a, in a five goal thriller I can see it being Liverpool 3-2 would be my score I think Leicester will score um, It's uh, people have always said the last two or three weeks that Leicester are you know, pushing top six, top four. Mate, no doubt about it, if we do not finish in the top six, we've had a poor season. Losing at Liverpool, um, they'll just put a line through it and, and go again. I think every side will be doing the same against Man City and Liverpool. Uh, so if they do lose, it's not the end of the earth. I think Leicester will score and I think they'll put up a good performance and if they do win, I can see it again. It's going to be a 4-3 or a 3-2 if Leicester calls a shot. No one's really talking about that. If that happens, then maybe talk of top four, you never know. But I, I can see Leicester losing maybe 3-2 would be a prediction. I'm going to be, I'm going to obviously go for maybe a, maybe a 3-3 draw, but, uh, but that's what I think will happen. I think Vardy, um, will score again at Anfield and, uh, and, and there we go. So I can see, 
I can see them putting a good game up, but I think Liverpool just have too much quality. It'd be interesting to see how Soyun Chu deals with Anfield. Uh, it will be his, his most difficult game so far. I was immensely impressed with him against Tottenham, which would have been his most difficult game uh, to date. I was really impressed just to see how he dealt with the likes of Son and Harry Kane, and he played very well indeed. This is a different task. You're playing against the European champions. So that's going to be very interesting. Does he keep his head? Uh, Vardy, if Madison plays, that's going to be interesting. But uh, maybe 3-2 to Liverpool and uh, a few more points on the way to a possible Premier League uh, uh, winning campaign. Fingers crossed that you do and also in Europe as well. But uh, you can also win the league if Leicester win as well. That's not That's not too bad. <laughs> Fantastic. Cheers, Pete. Yeah, and um, much appreciated your comments uh, on Liverpool as well there. So, yeah, just uh, a quick one from myself. I'm, I'm, I'm not to and for home with a similar one to Jay. 3 1, 3 2. Um, I just think with Matt, hopefully Matt will come back in and, and strengthen that defence a little bit. And after the performance with Salzburg, I think Klopp will have them a lot more well drilled. He, he'll have that organ organisation um, for the defence a lot a lot more solid so yeah I'm going to go with a similar one to Jay I'm going to go with a 3-1 victory for Liverpool yep and uh, just before we go just before I introduce the music from the band that's been on big thanks to the LFC Day Trippers and um, the LFC online Facebook Instagram pages that put all our podcasts out on their, their platforms also Continue to support the No More Knives campaign with Paul Bentley. He's doing a lot of things over there. I know he's got a few boxing events coming up. He's got, I think, um, he's got some other events coming up shortly. I was speaking to him the other day, so that's another one to keep an eye on his page. Also, the people in the chat room, uh, if we haven't got to your questions, you can also send a tweet to... Um, to Jay or Peter or Daytrippers, myself, whoever. There was one guy who was asking about... Three to um, to Pete. We didn't get a chance to to uh, mention that. So if the guy in the chat room wants to send a message to Pete, I'm sure Pete will be happy to uh, to give his thoughts on that one. Back on with some music tonight. We on the old podcast last season we had music every time. We've only had it once on this season from the Burning Astronomers, but this time we're going a Liverpool band, um, unsigned. Doing really good things apparently in the in the the music scene in Liverpool, and they're called the Kairos. And the music, uh, sorry, the song that I'm going to play for you tonight by the the band is called Money Mind.
Network.